Welcome to The Banker Midweek, your weekly look at what the industry is talking about, offering information bankers like you need to know. Hello, everyone. I'm assuming, I'm hoping that we are now live. This is The Banker Midweek, and we are back live on LinkedIn as a little experiment. So we're trying to see whether you, our audience, like us better audio only as podcast or would like to interact with us on LinkedIn Live. So it's up to you to decide. But anyway, joining me this week is Barbara Pianisi. Hello, Barbara. Hi, Liz. How are you doing? Very good. Whenever you join me, it's always sunny outside. Okay. That's good. I know. I made I was, I was made fun of Anita Hauser last week saying she only joins when there are crises and you join when it's sunny. So okay, it's good. good. <laughs> <laughs> so those of you know, uh, the Banker Midweek is our weekly discussion of uh, stories that are on the Banker site uh, right now and stories that um, we have our eye on, which will influence future Banker mm. stories. So we're going to start with stories live on the Banker site right at the moment. So please, as soon as this half hour live LinkedIn is over, go run to thebanker.com and read some of these stories. So we have two really big interviews on the site right at the moment. And the first is with Kaisha Banks, CEO, Gonzalez uh, Gordazar, which, you know, everyone knows I'm the worst pronunciator in the world. Um, but he talks to the banker about lessons from Kaisha Banks' regional expansion. Um, and it's very interesting. They have a policy, um, you know, a, a organization where they're very much a retail bank in mm -hmm. Spain. Um, and then outside of, uh, out of, of Spain, they really kind of focus on their wholesale uh, and and corporate uh, and 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 corporate expansion, um, and the second we have uh, uh, an interview I did with Nadia Hijazi, who is uh, HSBC's global head of wholesale digital channels, and that was uh, a really interesting interview, which I'll comment in a bit. Any any comments on the Kaisha Bank? It's very always good to get a C C CEOs of global banks uh, mentioned mentioned in the bank. Or did was there anything that came out of the interview that you thought was interesting? No, I think it's, it was quite. Um... You know, interesting to see that this bank is is still expanding even in these troubled times. Mm. So I think um, you know it's mentioning the Italian branch. So we're gonna see how they're gonna uh, operate there. So it's quite a it's quite interesting to see expansion in this. Mm. You know, optimism. Excellent. And then one of the things I find interesting, I sat down with, with Nadia a, a week or so ago, and um, she came. She joined uh, HSBC. Uh, from uh, her her home uh, home area of the United Arab Emirates, and she said, "I've always said if I ever had the opportunity to be in a leadership position, I was going to create a team that was closer to being international because of your provenance mm. and the focus of the organization is international. Then your teams need to be international." And she's done a lot to increase not only um, female um, uh, leadership roles uh, within the bank, especially in the tech and the digital areas, but also, you know, you know people from other countries and other, other regions. Um, and she's done a lot of work and had a lot of success on that. And I just, you know, that sort of leading from the top, I think is really the, the key to diversity in the banking industry. And just, just as a, as a kind of a, a tag to that, the, Joy McKnight writes in her mm -hmm. editor's blog this week, can we wait 140 years <laughs> for gender parity? The 10th edition of the OMFIF's Gender Balance Index paints a gloomy picture when it comes to the progress made on senior level gender equality at central banks, commercial banks, pension funds, and sovereign funds. I'm not, I don't want to wait 140 years. <laughs> well, especially because I'm not sure we will be there. <laughs> 
know. It's it's very, very annoying. Um, I do, as I mentioned before, we are live. I can't really see if you have any questions or comments. So we're going to, you know, we'll see whether or not, um, uh, you know, as we we take this forward in the coming weeks, we can fix out some of the some of the some of the kinks. So if I don't get to your question, if you put it in and I don't see it, I do apologize, but we will, we will probably get to it later. Um, yeah, no, I did. This is, this is too depressing. I'm going to move on to a story <laughs> you wrote, which is much more uh, interesting uh, looking at the TAM central bank governors on the recent banking crisis. Um, and they seem to have kind of um, that the recent global banking crisis mm. doesn't really affect that region very much. But since you wrote the story, I'd love to hear more, <laughs> more about it. Yeah, so it was an interesting, an open, uh, an open session organized by the IDB, the Inter-American Development Bank, and um, there were the central governors of few of the countries in Central and uh, South America. And what I find very interesting was their focus on climate change, which for some of these countries is really a relevant topic. We mm. are, if we think about Chile, is really facing in has been facing in the last decade desertification. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Central America um, has been hit by hurricanes. So I really felt that uh, these officials were trying to see how uh, central banks can can do to prevent these issues mm -hmm. or and why while maybe one of them was just actually saying, well, it's not our focus because we are um, central bank is mostly uh, the politicians that should do something. I think uh, there is they are they are focusing on the topic let's say i mean it is mm. interesting climate change and sustainability is becoming more and more of a priority for um the banking industry globally uh which of course we're covering on a, on a regular basis so I, I found that i found that very interesting to see that there is a world outside of credit swiss ups and Silicon <laughs> valley bank which we will get to very soon <laughs> i do apologize but before uh we do that it was very interesting so our middle east and africa editor john everington uh, just came back from Saudi Arabia, and he has a story on the site on oil boost complements Saudi Arabia's economic reform agenda. So April of this year is the seventh anniversary of Saudi Arabia's ambitious Vision 2030 development program. Mm. Um, and I, you know, what I found quite interesting about this is they are considering the region trying to move away from their reliance on oil. <laughs> yeah. kind of counterproductive but i sat down with john before uh before we sat down for, for this session and he said we need to make a point that saudi arabia is having some success with regard to diversifying its economy but non-oil economic growth is still heavily dependent uh in the region which is not a surprise mm. but there have been a lot of achievements in the past seven years which is women's involvement in the workplace has skyrocketed well, hopefully that is true. Uh, <laughs> unemployment is, um, not that I'm doubting them, unemployment is lower, but private sector growth is still below target and the country is still struggling to attract FDI. Um, yeah, so it's another, Saudi Arabia is always, there's so much money in that region, it's always going to get, um, it's always going to uh, uh, get a lot of attention. And uh, the fact that they're highlighting women's involvement in the workplace, I think is obviously hopefully pointing to as we talked about before <laughs> something positive but yeah mm. so in so moving on i mentioned uh, we will we will mention the banking okay yeah. i do apologize uh for those of you who are interested in our ongoing coverage of the banking saga we have a section on our website called 
fucking saga. Um, but there was a story in the FT today about UBS has attracted uh, 28 billion of new money as Credit Suisse crisis has deepened. Uh, UBS's wealth business attracted 28 billion in the first quarter, uh, which is uh, citing the uh, benefits of uh, of acquiring its rival during that crisis last month. Uh, so, Barbara, what do you think of this? <laughs> well, I think the, you know, UBS credit with Saga, I think it's quite interesting, uh, the fact that this merger was, uh, you know, has gone through mm-hmm. and uh, probably, you know, regulators have, have allowed this to happen. And even if it was, of course, you know, a crisis situation, but I think it speaks a lot about uh, the importance of regulation and um, is it like, does it make sense to create really um, such a big bank? Uh, are we headed for for the trouble? So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see. But I think that you know the regulation topic is quite relevant. Mm, I mean, it's interesting. There's there's also, you know, I know that uh, the 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 board of UBS uh, and the shareholders are really kind of taking a critical eye uh, over over their acquisition of Credit Suisse. I think there was a story we talked about mm. on a previous banker midweek about the board of HSBC similarly had some um, uh, criticisms about their acquisition of Silicon Valley Bank in the UK. Mm. But I guess that's just that's just the nature of, of any sort of merger and acquisition. Um, moving on, which is still part of the banking saga, but I'm going to talk about this slightly differently. Um, First Republic uh, was another US bank, uh, which, uh, which had a collapse, um, which kind of led to a lot of commentators um, worried about contagion and are we looking at another 2008 banking crisis mm-hmm. situation so anyway their their shares plunged as it revealed um, a hundred billion in deposits of, of of flights now I'm gonna the reason why I'm gonna take a different stance on this is because I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on another story that was a comment uh, in the FT which is uh, tech's obsession with founder CEOs is not over yet. For those of for those of you listening who, who aren't aware of Silicon Valley type startup culture, there is a real cult of the founder. Um, you know, you have uh, you have Jack Dorsey with 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 Twitter and Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook or or Meta now, whatever they're called. And um, but then they look at other other um, companies uh, that you know aren't aren't run by the the founders um, anymore. And there is this. The First Republic Bank was a California-based lender that really kind of, much like Silicon Valley Bank, its business was the wealth business of tech entrepreneurs. And now in a very high interest rate environment, that whole tech culture, there's, it's kind of lost its sheen a bit. You know, you, you it was very hard to criticize that culture during the party days mm. of, of the tech founder. And now um, there's a lot of... Uh, the growth over profits and hopefully um, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> I'm going to pass it over to you in a minute because I know you've read a few books um, I'm very very vocal about I've always been critical of the growth over profits and the um, create you know treating founders like gods when they're they're human beings uh, fallible human beings who sometimes create great companies and sometimes make huge huge mistakes oh, oh do both at the same time yeah so what, what do you think Barbara <laughs> no I mean I was reading this um, this article and um I just remember two uh, books that I read about mm-hmm. uh, some startups. So one, and I really recommend to you, 
this book. So one is uh, Uber Super Pumped, oh. and uh, it's it kind of details the work hard play art culture at uber and uh, uh you know citing all the the, the you know the, the parties but also their controversies and scandals that the com- the the company experienced so it mm. was quite an interesting uh, um uh, book just to recall all that happened how they kind of um just try to get rid of regulation to impose their business model so we highly recommend it uber super pumped um and another it's one also a documentary as well i think it's a tv yeah thing. maybe there is yeah. a tv series I, I did that as well so the book is uh is from 2019 and i mm. highly recommend it mm. um and the other book is bad blood and it covers the rise and fall of uh, Terranos, which oh, okay. was this uh, biotech startup uh, maybe fa- established 10 years ago and it was um, uh, it ended up being valued nine billion dollars uh, before it was discovered how the founder has been misleading investors. Mm-hmm. And in both stories, I think what is in both books, what is what is quite interesting is how uh, both like the journalists, the writers um, describe the personalities of both uh, founders mm. and how this personality effectively helped the companies achieve. Uh, such immense growth results, but at the same time, how you know they ended up uh, well, not Uber, but especially yeah. uh, Terranos, um, the founder was convicted of fraud. I think she's now... awaiting prison time right yeah. at the moment. Yeah, yeah, Elizabeth yeah. Holmes. Um, yeah, so I think it's mm. it's quite interesting to focus on the personalities aspects mm. of these people. I mean, the the problem I've always had with startup mm. culture is, especially if you look at Uber, it's you know they they had a lot of internal culture that a lot of people would recoil from. But I think there's a lot of people in the Silicon Valley industry type that world that would point to that behavior as the reason why they succeeded, right? Mm. That kind of reckless, you know, take risks, you know, type of... But it's interesting you mentioned um, Elizabeth Holmes and and, Mm. and Theranos because that's very much that fake it till you make it, which is also kind of an old um, viewpoint in that mm. world and you look with a, another startup that's going through trouble right now when jp morgan bought frank which mm. dealt with student loans in the u.s and they basically lied about how many customers they had um and you know this there is starting a company being an entrepreneur is very difficult it is very hard and it's you need to be a certain personality but you shouldn't lie <laughs> yeah. there's a certain bravado you should you should be able to take risks but you know when you're dealing with people's money especially um, you know, I know, I know Theranos and, and Uber weren't technically uh, fintech companies, but just don't lie. I don't understand why this is a big deal to still lie about how many customers you have or what your product actually does. <laughs> yeah. And also the fact that, uh, like they are always portraying, uh, like a startup that can revolutionize things. Right. Mm. And so we are tempted to think, oh, these things can be done differently, but then is it really like certain business models, yeah. uh, like the taxi industry, maybe you know, getting a tax is expensive because, mm. you know, if you take into account costs and externalities, probably it has to be so expensive. I don't know. <laughs> well, now, saying. hey, now black, ta- black black cabs in London take cards now. So so Uber suffered so that we could pay by card. <laughs> so <laughs> moving on to another um, uh, story, which, which came out last week. And the reason why I bring it up is because there's been a lot of commentary on this. Which mm. This is um, Apple has launched uh, a savings account with a 4.15 uh, in, annual interest rate, which is much higher than a lot of other mm-hmm. banks offer. And 
So they, they, this is big, big news. Apple is a big company, but this is their ongoing partnership mm -hmm. with Goldman Sachs, right? So what, what do you is, think? What do you think? Well, this, <laughs> is it. this is why I bring it up because there's been lots of commentary about this is big tech coming in and taking yeah. a bite out of banking. Um, but they, they had to have a bank to do it. Yeah. You know, it's a Goldman Sachs back, so Goldman Sachs bank account with an Apple frontage. And I think also, especially U.S. commentators, there is just this obsession with Apple, mm. which I know I'm not an Apple person. Everyone knows that who follows me. But it's just, uh, you know, it's good. It's a nice uh, interest rate. I'm sure people that use Apple Pay and Apple Wallet and Apple Cash and will, will take advantage of it. But I called this a bank fintech partnership. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Not a... Yeah. Big tech takes a bank takes a bite out of banking. What do you, otherwise, you agree with they, me? Yeah, I agree with you. Otherwise, <laughs> it wouldn't be partnering up with Goldman, right? Yeah, you've heard it here first. The banker says Apple, Goldman Sachs is a bank fintech partnership. End of discussion. Uh, so wonderful. Okay, so I'm gonna have this final story. I'm gonna have to read it out, and I put it in because I have this obsession with SPACs. <laughs> <laughs> okay those you're really... not the only one but... uh, really oh things are changing i'm a big fan this is why i was kind of interested in initial coin offerings a few years ago and they went far i'm very interested in in alternative funding methods mm. um you know I'm, I'm sure people listening to this know what a spac is for those of you who don't it's a special purpose acquisition company which is basically a shell company that kind of buys the existing company in a way to make the company public without going through mm. the traditional ipo I procedure right so this kind of caught my eye again in the in the ft uh earlier this month london venture capitalist dominic perks resigned as chief of the investment firm hambro perks which bears his name mm -hmm. so the move was unexpected um and one investor told the ft that they were surprised no further explanation was given other than perks offered his resignation with immediate effect um, so that, and despite declaring that it was continuing its search for a target just a couple of weeks ago, uh, a, a, the, uh, the, uh, HPAC announced plans on Monday to close up shop and return investor funds. Okay. So there was another, uh, comment, Anthony Saltz in this article, the vehicle's chair and former senior partner at law firm Freshfields chalked it up to tumultuous equity markets. Now, this is why I bring this up. In the article, it said, left unmentioned was Perk's uh, mysterious exit. He played a significant role in the investment group that he co-founded in mm. 2013, serving as his chair in public face. He also did the launch of London's first SPAC, following a government overhaul designed to help UK markets compete with Wall Street. Mm. Uh, PAC, SPACs uh, had a big boom during the pandemic. There's been other high-profile high vehicles uh, backed by LVMH founder uh, and former uh, Eurocredit chief uh, also recently uh, collapsed uh, the the uh, the uh, the uh, SPACs uh, program. So SPACs are dying. <laughs> well, the thing is that aside from even if some of the SPACs you know manage to find their targets, mm -hmm. etc., uh, were really good returns for retail investors. I think this is really the question, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, I think SPACs are really uh, a controversial topics and a lot of uh, investors are realizing that, um, yes, SPACs are really kind of faster than IPOs, but at the same mm. time, their returns probably are good just for kind of the sponsor um, and not really for the investors.
because of the how the sparks are structured. Hmm. Someone's going to have <laughs> an alternative investment in fundraising that has legs. What is next? Tune in next week for the ongoing saga as the SPACs turns. Oh, sorry. I'm bad. <laughs> I just wanted to say as the SPACs turns. Um, so I hope you enjoyed um, our special Banker Midweek LinkedIn Live. We may do more of them depending on uh, how excited our audience gets with seeing our lovely faces live on air. Um, and you will be able to rewatch this Banker Midweek on thebanker.com uh, all this week, uh, anytime you want on demand. And you can watch uh, any vid uh, videos on thebanker.com site and pop any of our ongoing podcast portfolio on the podcast tab. So I'm going to say goodbye from Liz. Thank you. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Bye from Barbara. Thank you for listening to The Banker Midweek, part of the portfolio of podcasts from the editorial team at The Banker, available on thebanker.com and wherever you get your podcast fix. Search on The Banker Podcasts to listen to more.